with our lips and with our hearts and our whole beings. Promise I'll stand I will bring praise 
seed I've received, I will sow. Dear God, we thank you for seasons. And we thank you that they're just that, that they're seasons, Lord. And that we'll pass through them and things will change. And we won't stay in the fire forever or stay in the battle forever. But we also won't stay in the harvest forever. And we just, we thank you that through all of it, Lord, you are so deserving of praise. If anything, then just because you created us and you are our Father and you gave us life and you gave us breath. And so, God, with our beings this morning, with who we are through you and in you, we praise you and we lift up glory to your name. God, we pray that this, this praise, Lord, is pleasing to your ear, Father.
this life that you've given us to praise you and to glorify you and to tell others about you and your love. Father, we know that you're here in this place today and we thank you for your presence. God, as we stand before you, we thank you and we worship you for all that you've done and for who you are. We pray that you would speak to us today in our hearts and change us as we are in your presence and in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That song alone was worth the trip. Nice job. <laughs> that was awesome. Watching Jason go crazy on the drums. Again, I'm fired up. And uh, I've been told that it's not 90 degrees. I'm trying to wish us back to warm weather. But uh, anyway, it, as you walked in, you should have gotten a folder with a card on the inside. Now, this is your last week to fill out one of those cards to make sure that you are in our system because we are getting internet tomorrow, unless Comcast... Again, isn't as tough as you guys, and they decide not to come. Uh, but please fill out those cards so we have accurate information for uh, child check-in and for all the other things that we uh, do. So as our servers go to the back uh, to get ready to collect communion, uh, we will move on to our next thing, and um, that's journey groups. This is our last week to sign up for journey groups. So if you haven't gotten signed up, please check that out. There are so many options out there. Again, you don't want to miss out on this. 
Francis Chan, Multiply, the books at the back on your way out. You can look at them, buy one today. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Um, now on to my fun stuff. Uh, this next week, uh, we're going to Granite Peak. So next Sunday night, we will not have uh, Revive, but we are going to be leaving around 5 p.m., or between 4 and 5 p.m., um, in order to get up to Granite Peak. It's about a five-hour trip. So again, if you're interested in going to that, come talk to me. I'll be at the front after the service, uh, so please come get signed up for that so we can get a block of rooms in the same hotel and make sure that if you are going, that we at least get to cross paths as much as possible. So, I guess, servers, can you find baskets? <laughs> um, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We found them. All right. <laughs> we are good. All right. Um, I'm just making sure that I got done so I didn't get yelled at by my sister who's not here today. Um, anyway, yeah, so moving on. Um, we have some cool things going on with Revive. Uh, tonight, we actually have a Super Bowl party. Now, that's at the Yost House, uh, and the address will be here on the screen in a minute. Um, we, I need to talk to them to make sure that this is still going to happen. Uh, go back one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we are, again, tonight at 5. I hope that we can do this. But again, it all depends on roads, and I know how parents feel about high schoolers driving, and I know how we feel about high schoolers driving around us. So we'll see. Uh, again, just check, check Southfield out, or check out Revive on Twitter, SF Student Tweets. That's where I'm going to be blasting the information. If I have your number, you'll get a text letting you know uh, whether or not we're going to be doing that tonight. But again, hopefully, we have a ton of food planned for this thing. So again, I'll get you updated as soon as, as, soon as I know what's going on. The last thing is probably my favorite. Uh, we are going to be doing an event called Red, White, and Bacon for both groups, all right? Uh, because, again, I am very patriotic, and I also really love bacon. Any kind of bacon in any form, it doesn't matter, unless it's turkey bacon. That's not real, all right? I'm convinced that's made of part plastic, okay? Uh, so, again, uh, so two Sundays from now, on uh, February 22nd, this uh, same time, 6 to 8 for Revive, and that Wednesday... Uh, from 7 to 8.30 for Refuge. We will be doing that, uh, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to be doing a lot, of, a lot of stuff with it. So again, we're also, the, as you can see, the first bringer thinger drawing uh, is happening that night, and that's our encouragement to our students. to, if, When they bring a friend, they're actually entered into a, a big, they get their name on like a ping pong ball, and we put it into a, a big bingo-style thing, shake it up, draw one of the names out, and if, um, if you bring a friend you actually get your name and their friend's name in there. So, again, that's an awesome event to be able to bring. I mean, if you tell your friends that you're going to be getting to eat pounds and pounds of bacon, uh, you should be able to get your name in there plenty of time. So um, a lot of things to look forward to. Um, and so I just, again, thank you for toughing out the weather because, again, it's not that bad. <laughs> actually, I teased that what we're going to do today is everybody that put in a card, we're going to go ahead and put you on the wall with Blizzard 2015 above it, and everybody will know you were here today. But So you're wondering, why in the world should we tough it out today? And the answer is, I finally have my monitor, and I just had to use it, you know? So thanks for coming, because, Brian, would you come and shift this a little bit over here? And We're about as informal as we can be today. I mean, we're just having some fun. But So um, the groups that are starting, there was one thing that I wanted to talk to you about with that. And uh, that is that we're going to be 
doing a book, and we've been talking about the book for a while, Multiply, by Francis Chan. We're doing this section on, on the Old Testament. And I love this. What it basically does is helps us to understand, you know, a lot of times when we look at the Bible, we think the Bible is like a collection of verses. We go and find our inspiration for the day. Here's, our, here's my favorite verse. I go look at that. Here's another one. I go, we take them kind of like medicine, you know. Here's a pill for the day. And, um, and, you know, I mean, the Bible is inspirational. And there are verses that inspire us. But the Bible is, it's, a, it's one big story. It's not just a collection of books that kind of ended up in leather binding. It's one big story. And so part of what we see now in this section of the book that we're going through by Francis Chan is how the story of the Old Testament works, what it looks like exactly. And so you get that, that broad, beautiful, sweeping overview. We have eight sessions during this section of groups, during winter session, but I believe there are nine chapters. So two of the chapters are going to get smashed together by your group leader. But then beyond that, we need to make sure that you arrive having read the first chapter that you need to read. So if you already have a multiply book, I think you're going to page 163. It's the section on the Old Testament, and it's entitled Creation. Okay, so you're going to the creation chapter and reading that. If you don't have a multiply book yet, uh, they're available in the gathering area today as you leave, five bucks. Or you can even go online and read it for free. But you will want to arrive at your group. Some of them are starting this Friday night. You'll want to arrive at your group uh, having, having read that and ready to go. So, so it's the Super Bowl today, and, and what we did in light of the weather and everything else is called Nautable. We had kind of this really cool fun day plan that, that really requires, you know, like a maximum participation situation. And even though I'm from Buffalo and, you know, snow doesn't bother me, it does bother a few people. And so we thought, okay, there's a chance there might be a few less people here today. So we put off that plan a little bit. So somewhere around, I don't know, 8.45 last night, I'm going, hmm, so what can we talk about tomorrow? Now, you know, I could just talk about anything, but we're here for a purpose. We're here to talk about God. And so um, I thought that today would be a good day to focus on, um, to focus on the idea of self-examination and, and reflection, and inner reflection. I love snow days because snow days are that day that's different than all the others, right? It, it just wipes out the normal schedule. You have a day to go, hmm, what am I going to do with this? And, and so reflection can be kind of like that. It's like a spiritual snow day. It's a day for us to go, hmm, I need to take some time to think, to pull back, to, to just be in a different place. And so um, reflection for some of you, self-examination, may actually be a little bit intimidating. Uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, as you're preparing for communion, uh, Paul says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. And he says, because sometimes you eat the bread and drink the cup unworthily, and in doing so, you drink damnation unto yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds scary, right? I mean, I could eat and drink communion in such a way that I cause myself serious spiritual trouble. And uh, this verse and that part of the passage was emphasized a lot in my church growing up. And so, to be perfectly honest, communion was not a time of celebration. Communion was a time of trepidation. Communion was a time of real fear. Now, I got to say this, we should fear the Lord, right? Not, not in a way like we're waiting to get whipped, but kind of like the same way I'm fearful when a police car has followed me for about a mile, and I'm wondering, am I next, or am I being good, and I'm looking at all the gears and everything and just making sure. You know, there's a healthy respect for authority, and we should have a healthy respect for God. Um, communion 
and this examination is not supposed to be about kind of a penance. We're not supposed to be paying for our sin. In fact, really, this examination goes a little bit broader. It's not just about examining my sin. It's about um, just looking at where is God present in my life? What's God doing in my life? Have you thought lately about where God is in your life? Where is he? Do you see his fingerprints on your life? Or are you just kind of living, living like a lot of other people, just living a secular existence and forgetting that there's even a God dimension, that there's even a God involved in anything that's going on? So we need these times of reflection, not to just kind of go through and count our sins, but, but to really stop and ask ourselves, how does God play into my life? How, how does God work in my life? It's a beautiful passage in the Bible. We're going to talk about waking up to the presence of God. And as we do, we're going to look at a passage uh, by King David. You you may be really familiar with it. It's Psalm 139. Uh, David is a pretty amazing person. The transformation he experiences in his life is stunning. And again, we've been talking about, you know, God wants us to experience transformation. We're to be constantly, glory to glory, ever becoming more and more like Jesus. Well, David experienced these kinds of transformation. And having said that, I mean, David's a guy that, you know, he was an adulterer, he was a murderer. He had done some things in his life that really, he could have just said, if I don't quit, certainly God has quit on me. There's no, there's no reason in even moving on from here. And yet what we see is a man who, instead of giving up, is just, he continues to be transformed. He, he moves from a man who is full of himself and full of his plans for God to a man full of God and God's plans for him. That's pretty cool. Because for a lot of us, we are. We're full of ourselves, and we're full of the plans that we have. This is what we want to do for God. But the truth is, we're supposed to be full of God, and we're supposed to be full of God's plans for us. So Psalm 139 just offers a beautiful model for self-examination. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you, and it'll, it'll be on the screen. I'd like you to see the words, and just, just hear what David says as he's reflecting. This psalm is entitled, For the Choir Director, a psalm of David. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. I'll add, you know when I drive in the snow. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel. There's that snow thing. And when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell on the farthest side of the ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become as night, but even in the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my being of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb thank you for making me so wonderfully complex 
Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watch me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Catch the way that's worded. How precious, not, not... to me. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. You bla- they blaspheme you. Your, your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Know the things I worry about. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's stop for a moment to pray. Father, for these beautiful words penned by David, I thank you. And I pray in the next few moments we will see the way his words can lead to a model for us of uh, self-examination and ultimate transformation. Change us, God. Change us all the time to make us more like you, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So part of what God's doing throughout our existence is waking us up. He's waking us up to the presence of God. He's waking us up to the fact that God is there. And that's a lot of what you see going on in this psalm. David starts with just a focus on God, a focus on how wonderful God is, how awesome God is, and he is fully awakened to the reality. There is a God in heaven. And that God in heaven, his existence is real. It's not just something that's been fabricated. He existed. He created all things. He is there. Now, as he wakes up to the presence of God, there's another awakening that goes on. He wakes up to himself in light of the presence of God. God wants both of those things to be going on in our lives. Not just an awareness of of God and that God is, but now that awareness causes me to start thinking of my life in light of God. You see, we we need to wake to God as he's the ultimate orienting factor in our lives. He's the one. Not all these other things that are going on all the time, not my job and my title at my job or the role I play in my family or whatever, those aren't the things that determine who I am. God is the ultimate orienting factor in my life. And so I'm spending time with this psalm and I see a man who's talking about the fact that wherever God is, I sit, you're there. I rise, you're there. I travel, you're there. I can try to hide, you're there. The reality of God starts to really impact his existence. He can't get away from God. He just can't get away from thoughts about God. He knows that God is there. And so not only does it lead to further knowledge of God, but it leads to a further level of self-knowledge. For us to have that kind of self-knowledge, we do need to take times for self-examination. We need to take times that we stop and ask God, what's going on in my life? Am I living right? Are my motives pure? What's happening in my life right now, God? 
The purpose of, self, of self-examination, there are several reasons that we would take the time to examine ourselves. We want to notice the evidence of transformation and thank God for what he's doing in our lives. I mean, that's cool. You should be able to stop like once a year and look and go, hey, I've grown. You may not be able to see that growth on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, but if you look back a year ago right now, you should be able to look and go, hmm, there's been some growth there. So a time of self-examination and reflection gives me that chance to see that growth has taken place. It gives me insight also as to where I need God's help for spiritual transformation. There may be some areas that I'm going, hmm, I'm still stuck in the mud there. I'm still the same as a year ago, or I'm even worse than a year ago. Things aren't changing. Why are they not changing? And so that allows for that as well. And further, we begin to live with greater freedom from bondage to sin and just the the selfish patterns that bind us all the time. You see, self-examination is this practice of inviting God to help me engage in an honest, rigorous, non-neurotic inventory of the state of my heart and life. For some of us, when we start, when we start self-examination, we get really neurotic. We just, we just start worrying about all we're doing wrong and what am I doing wrong and all that sort of thing. I think this kind of examination goes beyond just a list of my sins. It really goes into where do I stand in relationship to the creator of the universe? And in what areas am I growing? In what areas am I not growing? What's happening in my life? Now, I love this psalm of David because... Um, it, it, the, the pattern of it is just, it's pretty incredible when you get a chance to break it down. He begins this psalm by saying, God, you have searched me and you know me, right? And, and we would all acknowledge that. I mean, God knows everything about me. There's nothing in me that I can hide from God. God I am laid bare in the presence of God. He knows me completely. I don't know, maybe that horrifies you a little bit because now you know God knows some things that you'd rather he didn't know. But God knows me completely. But then you come, come to the end of the psalm, and it's kind of interesting. You see this verse. This is the end of the psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. How do you get David starting with, you know me completely, to search me and know me, test me and know my anxious thoughts, what, what's going on here? How can he, in one, on one verse, he says, God knows me completely, and on the other hand, he's saying, God, you better find out if there's anything in me. What, what's going on here? I think really as that verse unfolds, what we see is that it's not so much that he's asking God to search him and figure out what's going on. He's saying, God, would you shine the spotlight in such a way that I see what's going on, that I start to really see what's happening in my life. And so that's what self-examination provides for. Because God knows me completely, but I don't know me completely. God knows everything that's going on in me, but I live in a little bit of a state of deception. And I need God to just go ahead and pour that spotlight on me. Search me and know me. Point out anything in me that offends you. Wow, pray that to God. I'm opening myself right now, God. Anything that offends you, let me know. Go ahead. But I love the way he ends. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. See all the invitations going on here? I mean, what's going on in this process of self-examination is not so much David just sitting and obsessing over his life, but he's really inviting God as a guide. 
And he's saying, God, I, I want you in this process, just reveal to me who you are. Reveal to me your hugeness and where I play in that universe. And start to show me what's going on in my heart. Now, now I got to admit to you, when I read this psalm, and we've used this psalm before for for times of confession. We've used it for communion. We've used it at different points. And there's a a part here that I very often edit. I'll just admit it. Because honestly, you're reading this beautiful outpouring of, you know, oh God, you're vast, you're awesome, and numbers of hairs in my head and sand, grains of sand, and isn't this amazing? And then he says, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from you, bloodthirsty people, in evil intent. Do I, not, do I not hate those who hate you and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. How does this play into, God, you're so good. <laughs> but man, do I hate a whole bunch of people. I just, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's like his dark side vomits out, you know? I think some people, they try to play this in such a way. They try to spiritualize it. Here's a guy who's examining himself, and as he's examining himself, all of a sudden, blah, there it is. And, and honestly, I don't know that he even knows at this point what's right or wrong in what he's doing. He's kind of looking, I mean, what's he asking? Shouldn't I hate them? Should I hate them? What should I do right now? He is being about as honest to God as he possibly can be. Are you that honest with God that you would just lay it out before him and say, God, I don't know if this thing I'm doing today is good or if this thing I'm doing today is bad. I don't know if I have the right motives. I don't know if I'm on your side on this or if I'm your enemy on this. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of funny. Okay, so here we are at church on a dramatic snow day. And it's possible that you're sitting there going, gold star for me. <laughs> I'm, one of the, I'm one of the spiritual, one of the faithful few. Yep. Where are all those other heathen? Where are they? Come on. You know, th- why are you here today? Did you come to worship God or did you come to prove a point? You can drive in snow. Right? It's crazy, right? But, but this, is, this is where we need to live with some self-examination with God. Even something as good as coming to church can be done with a motive that's contrary to what God wants. God wants you here because God wants you to be with him, not because, congratulations, you have four-wheel drive and you can run over a Yugo. So what? Right? So we're constantly going through this process of motive checking, but honestly, it's not me motive checking. It's got to be God motive checking me because I don't know. I don't know why I'm here today. God's got to show me why I'm here today. God and I are going to have a fun conversation about today because, you know, I mean, you're in like the first six weeks of being in a new building. You're supposed to take advantage of these moments, right? This is supposed to be cool time, and instead, we're trying to figure out how to plow snow. Are you kidding me, really? Taking the time with God to let him examine my heart and say, okay, where are you righteous in this? And where are you off base with this? Now, if we're going to have this time of self-examination, true reflection. One of the things that's really important, and I think we see it in David's words, we need to be reassured of God's unconditional love for us. You know, too often when we come to a time of self-examination, it's because we think God's really hacked off and he, he controls lightning and he's not afraid to use it. He's going to whack me, right? He's going to hurt me. No, just the opposite. I come in this process of self-examination totally honest before God because I'm reassured of his unconditional, unfailing love for me. He 
he loves me that much. And then I invite God to lead this search. Go ahead. Open me up. Show me what's there. The, 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 the scary part about asking that, really asking that, is that he will. And there's some nice closets that you've locked and padlocked and covered over. And God will go, no, we're going to talk about this today. Let's see how that goes. During that, we do a few things. We confess. If there's sin and brokenness, we confess that sin. But please then receive God's forgiveness. If you find sin in your life, receive God's forgiveness. Too many of us think that we can continue to pay for our sin you know, by feeling bad or something. No, Jesus died for the sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So enjoy the forgiveness that God has given you. And then we need to trust God to do the work in us that we cannot do ourselves. Because God's ultimately the one that's got to reveal where we're broken. God's ultimately the one that's got to bring that healing. We can't bring it ourselves. And so I want to encourage you to start building into maybe your day or your week a time of self-examination, a little bit of a snow day, maybe 10 minutes that you'll stop. I like to use a candle. Candles are great. This one's electric. (laughs) Drip, drip, drip. But anyway. Quiet in the dark with a candle. And even read this psalm. Read it like you wrote it. It was written for you. Read it and ask God to reveal how much he loves you. And then you're going to come to that part where he talks about hating wicked people and all that, and you may want to just go ahead and insert your motive here. Insert your question here. What's what's the vomit spewing out right now? What's the area that I'm going, God, am I good in this or bad in this? Am I right in this or wrong in this? Where does this stand? And enjoy that time of confession in the presence of God. So we're going to enter into a time of extended communion. And by extended, I mean eight minutes of music. <laughs> eight minutes. I mean, you're going to think that, uh, that Daryl forgot to turn it off. He's supposed to fade. What happened? Does he not know the room's not crowded? No, we're going to let it play. Because I want you to be able to take that verse, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. You can't do this and race through it. Now, eight minutes doesn't feel like a race, but I'm telling you, if you're not used to being quiet for eight minutes, <laughs> it feels like eternity and beyond. During that, uh, we do have communion set up at three different stations around the room. And you've got eight minutes, so you all don't have to run to the table, okay? There's one back in the corner. They're, they're candlelit. There's one back in the corner and two on each side. Cubes of bread and, and then a, a cup with the grape juice in it so you can take your bread and dip it in there. Um, if you want to, there's plenty of space. You can go to find a chair here in the darkness and just kneel for a while. Be quiet and alone with God. And ask him that question, would you reveal to me? Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I moved some pallets yesterday. We had some leftover pallets at the warehouse and being good renters, we wanted to clean up our mess. And so I moved them and laid down in bed last night and 
my hand felt a little funny. You know, I'm kind of, what's that? And I go, oh, I think I have a sliver. And overnight, it's gone from, oh, I think I have a sliver to a nice monster red spot. And my goodness, I don't want to press on it because it hurts so much. It kind of reminds me of what we're doing right now. There are some slivers of sin in your life. There are some slivers of poor motivation that you don't even really notice they're there. But in time, if you let them go, they infect, they grow, they take on a life of their own. And uh, you need to go, huh, I have a sliver. Now, what am I going to do about that? I'll tell you what I'm not going to do about it. Leave it. I like to get these things out. So maybe today would be a good day to get some of those slivers of sin out. So spend some time in the presence of God, enjoying him. I want you to see this prayer before we're done. Oh, God, let something essential happen to me, something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh, God, let something essential happen to me, something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters. I love that line. Change me somewhere inside where it matters. A change that will burn and tremble and heal and explode me into tears or laughter or love that throbs or screams or keeps me in terrible scent-cleansing silence and dares a dangerous deed. Let something happen in me which is my real self, God. Show me the real me, the me you intended me to be, the me you created me to be. So those are the words that will be on the screen for you to meditate on as we listen to this song. And when you're ready, go take communion. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters. Search me and know me. Show me what you found. And then, God, help me not to resist the work of change that you want to bring about, the transformation that you want to see. Thank you, God, for your incredible love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Snow days are a gift. Never forget it. you got to create them because they don't come every day. I'd encourage you to develop this pattern in your life where at least once a week you're spending about 20 minutes in the quiet and just asking God, search me and know me. And what you find, show me. Show me so that that change can begin to take place in my life. So is it okay if I cheat? Can we do the new song again? Good. Let's do the new song again. I, they practice this other song, and it's great, but I love the new song. Let's stand and sing, and we're going to be on our way. to 
your breath in our lungs. Sing that again. it's so great to worship you it is so great to give you glory the one who has given us life and has given us love and as we leave here today lord may these words just impress upon our hearts and may they just stick in our heads and our hearts all week long lord so when we come back together again we can worship you and praise you being primed and ready lord to be in your presence in your name we pray amen have an awesome day be safe on your way home and enjoy the snow